what's on my mind has to do with two words that occur repeatedly in the New Testament. And the words are these, the word accept and the word receive in all of its forms, whether it's accept, accepted, accepting, acceptable, or whether it's receive, received, receiving, or some derivative of the word. The reason I want to present this to you tonight, it's on my mind, and because I've had this question come up several times as of late, and many times over the years this question has come up. And I believe that we can conclusively answer the question as to why this is so important to make the distinction between the word accept and the word receive. And you say, well, that sounds real technical. But I want you to see that it's very important for this, for this single reason, and that is we want to give God the most glory that he is due. And if there's a difference between the two words, and one word gives God more glory, and one word gives God less glory, we want to figure out which one gives him more glory and use that terminology. And it goes something like this. Somebody says, well, I believe that you can accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The Bible teaches that. And our response would be, no, the Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches that God's children receive him, receive the Spirit. All right? And then somebody says, well, but there's really no difference between accept and receive. I've looked it up in the dictionary, and sometimes the definition of accept says to receive. And sometimes you look up receive, and the definition says to accept. And there's other definitions that go with that. So there's a problem there, and that problem has got to be resolved in a biblical way. What is the difference between accepting and receive? Now, just as a general layout here, I want you to understand that the word accept in all of its forms, acceptable, accepted, occurs 28 times in the New Testament. Now, I've got those all 28 times written down, and if you want them, I'd be glad to furnish them to you. But it occurs 28 times, and only about 11 or 12 times is that word used in conjunction with salvation. Other times it'll say things like the acceptable year of the Lord or the accepted time or Paul says, I hope that you'll accept this gift that I'm sending to you. See, it doesn't have anything to do with salvation several times. But 11 or 12 times it, it relates to God and salvation and how we're saved. All right? And just as a general principle, not one time does that word indicate that there is any accepting that we do of God or of Jesus Christ? Not a single time does it say that. Just so you can have that in your mind, I want you to understand these, that word occurs 28 times. And never does it say you are to accept Christ as your personal Savior in order to go to heaven. That is terminology that is not found in the Scripture. If you want to know a brief history of where that terminology comes from, it began, history, it began in the tent revivals that took place in the late 1800s and early 1900s, these emotional-based tent revivals where people that were not accepted by mainstream religion would hold tent revivals and people would get quote-unquote saved in the late 1800s and the early 1900s. And that terminology of accepting Christ began to catch on, and it's nothing more than a perversion of the, where it says that we're to receive the Spirit. We're going to talk about that distinction, how it's so important. And then, lo and behold, a very popular evangelist in the 40s and 50s, who I'm not going to name, but you, many of you know him. He's been on countless television shows for 40 or 50 years. Hint, hint, hint. You can pick up on who I'm talking about. He picked up that terminology of accepting Christ. 
and on television stations, in stadiums that are packed with people, that accepting Christ terminology became common to everybody, became common to the religious world. That's just a very brief history of how the terminology of accepting Christ has come to be like it has today. Now, 28 times it occurs. Not one time does it say that we are to accept Christ. On the contrary, on the contrary, in the book of Acts, it says this when Peter was preaching to Cornelius. You remember the story of Cornelius the centurion who was not a Jewish man. He was already, it says that in Acts 10 that he was a devout man. He feared God, respected God. He gave alms to the people. He prayed to God. He was showing the work of God in his life because he was born again. He had all the evidence of being born again, but he did not understand who Jesus was. And so God sent a vision to Cornelius and said, Cornelius, send some of your servants over to Joppa, and there at Joppa I want you to find a man named Simon Peter and tell Simon Peter that you have had a vision and that you want him to come down and preach to you. So Cornelius did that. And so Cornelius sends up there his two men to see Simon Peter. Simon Peter's having a vision up on the housetop of three nets being let down, showing all manner of unclean beasts in there. It was a symbolic of the Gentiles. It was time for them to hear the gospel. And by the time the vision is finished, there's two men knocking at the door saying, we're here to see Simon Peter. There's a man named Cornelius that he needs to come and preach to. You see how God orchestrated that. So make a long story short, Simon Peter gets some friends together because he knows he's going to be called to the carpet when he gets back for preaching to Gentiles instead of Jews. Simon Peters gets some of his friends and believers in the truth together, and they go down to where Cornelius is. He was in Caesarea, and Cornelius has gathered his near kinsmen and friends to hear the, whatever message is supposed to be given. When Peter walks in the door, it says that Cornelius falls down and begins to worship Peter. You see, this man, was he was in ignorance. And I don't mean that in an ugly way. He did not understand what God had done for him. And so Peter says, get up, I'm a man just like you. You don't worship men, you worship Jesus Christ. And he preaches the gospel to him. He tells him about Jesus Christ. And then Peter says this profound statement. And this is one of the places where the word accept occurs in the New Testament. Peter says, in verse 34 of chapter 10, he says, Peter opens his mouth and says of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. In other words, he's saying... God doesn't just love the Jews. That's what he's saying. He says, God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him, did Cornelius fear him? Yes. And worketh righteousness, did Cornelius work righteousness? Yes. Listen now, is accepted with him. Now that's a lot different than what you hear today, where it says that you must accept Jesus Christ in order for him to be your personal savior and for you to go to heaven. I'm not trying to be ugly or not terminology, but I want you to see from the Scripture how this, this must be put to rest. J Peter says, looking on this man who was obviously born again and God has sent him a vision, he says, well, I see that this man and other men like him out in different nations and kindreds and tongues are accepted with God. You see? He didn't say anything about this man needs to accept God. He says this man, in his present state is accepted with God. Of course, we know how he was accepted in the beloved, don't we? Because it says in Ephesians that we are accepted in the beloved. The beloved is Jesus Christ. The only acceptance that we read about in the Word of God is God accepting us as a people. 
and we are accepted, according to Ephesians 1, in the beloved. In other words, it's not something that you do to accept, but it's something that Christ did because he's the beloved. So in the beloved, we are accepted. Now, it's just the opposite today. Today, the terminology is, you must accept Christ or accept God in order to go to heaven. You see, it's completely 180 degrees different than what the Scripture taught. One more place for accepted, then I want to go to receive. Just remember, every place you find the word accepted or accepting, in the King James translation, the newer versions will mix them up, or you can't tell what you're reading. The newer versions miss the point that I'm trying to make to you here tonight. I want you to get clear on accepting and receiving. Ephesians 1 says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he, God, Christ, hath made us accepted in the beloved. You see, it's not a matter of a person saying, I accept. It's a matter of God saying, you are made acceptable. You understand that? So without even looking at the definition of receive, which this will nail it home for you if you'll, if you'll hang with me, without even looking at the definition of receive, you can take the, 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 where accepted occurs and see that it does not say at all what is said today. So having understood that, let's look at receive. Remember, Summary of what I've just said. You can look at where accepted or accepting occurs every time in the New Testament and nowhere does it say that you're to accept Christ. On the contrary, it says emphatically and without exception that God accepts you. And that is through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. Okay? You don't factor into that. Because you weren't at Calvary. See, I wasn't either. So who gets the glory in that? God does. Alright? Now let's nail this thing home. John, the first chapter, is where I want to look first. What is the difference? Why should we make a distinction between accepting and receiving? Isn't it the same? Isn't the definition the same? John 1 and verse 12, he says this. And I want to give you a couple, two or three verses of Scripture, and then we're going to discuss them. He says, but as many as received him, notice he doesn't say accepted him. If it said accepted him, we could just go on home, see? But it says, as many as received him, not accepted, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Or that does not mean that they now have the ability to become the sons of God. It means that they now have the ability to act like the sons of God. There's many children of God that have received Christ and they have the power to exist and live as the sons of God and they do not. Example, Lot, Samson, Solomon... Brother Tim, at times in his life, insert yourself in there. There's been times in all of our lives when we have not lived and existed as the sons of God. We didn't use the power that God has given us to act like his children. Is that not the truth? All right, now watch this. But as many as received him, not accepted, to them gave he power to become or act like the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And how many times have we talked about believe, which is the word that comes from faith? 
And faith, according to Ephesians 2 and 8, is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You're taking a lot of pains here tonight, Brother Tim, emphasizing this. Isn't this something we've emphasized before? I want you to see and settle it in your mind when you talk with someone about the truth that there is a distinction between accepting and receiving. Every time you read the word receiving when it relates to salvation, it always says the children of God receiving the Spirit, receiving the gift of eternal life. So what is the difference? This is the difference. Listen carefully. Accepting is the same thing as receiving whenever you're dealing with a live, living, animate object. If I come to you and I say, I have a gift for you, and I want to give it to you, you have the option of accepting that gift and receiving that gift. And it's interchangeable because you are alive, you see? So every time it has to do with a living object, accepting is the same as receiving. You'll see that in the dictionary. Sometimes the definition of receive will say to accept. And sometimes the definition of accepting will say to receive. And that is true when you're dealing with a living object. But listen to this. Accepting never equals receiving when you're dealing with a dead object. You Bible readers, maybe your eyes are starting to lighten a little bit. When you're dealing with a dead object, accepting will never equal or be the same as receiving. Case in point, and I'll give credit where credit's due. This is Sister Dana's example. A mailbox. It is a dead object. And when the mailman goes to the object, to that dead object, the mailbox, and he opens it and he puts the mail in it, there's no accepting. Is that not right? It's not alive. It does not accept, but it sure does receive it, doesn't it? Okay? My example that I've used for years and years, a vase. Here you have a vase. When I walk up to this vase and I put these flowers in this vase, does that vase accept those flowers by a volitional living act? No, because the vase is dead, you see? But it receives them, doesn't it? It's dead. It receives them. Okay? Bring it home for us, Brother Tim. Ephesians 2 and verse 1 will bring it home for you. Ephesians 2 and 1 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. Is that not beautiful? Accepting will never equal receiving when it comes to a dead object, a mailbox, a vase, or a sinner. Do you see that? So somebody says, there's just not really that much difference between accepting and receiving. I mean, I even read in my dictionary that sometimes it's defined as the same thing. But when it comes to something dead, it is never the same. Because a dead object cannot accept or reject anything. Did you know that there is no verse of Scripture in the Bible that says anywhere that a sinner who was born again had an opportunity or even wanted to reject the Spirit? It never says, somebody says, but aren't there people that can reject the Spirit and kick Him out, you know, when He comes in like they don't want to be saved? There is no verse of Scripture from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelations, that says the Spirit can be rejected. There's no verse. There's no support for that. So there's no reason to think that that can take place. Now, there are times and time again where we read about children of God who are born again, who rejected serving God. I've already given you Solomon, Samson, Lot. Saul. I mean, we could go on and on. Brother Tim. <laughs> I won't embarrass any of y'all. I'll embarrass me. 
There's times when I've rejected serving God, you see. But I can't kick the Spirit out of my heart and don't want to. I can quench the Spirit. I can stifle the Spirit. I can suppress the Spirit. But I don't want to get rid of it. Heaven forbid. You know, it's like the guy was saying one time, you present salvation like it's the Lord just dragging people, kicking and screaming down the aisle or dragging them, you know, putting the Spirit in them, kicking and screaming. And I've never seen a single person that had a bad case of the salvations and wanted to get rid of it. (laughs) There's no such person that wants to get rid of salvation when you have it. There may be people that are miserable because they're not serving God in the particular way. But notice the point here. You hath he quickened who were dead. All right? A dead object cannot accept. But a dead object, like a vase or like a mailbox or like anything, any dead object you want to come up with that would fit the example, any dead object a sinner can receive. You see? And that's what he teaches here. That is why it's so important to understand the difference between accept and receive. That's why you can tell somebody this formula. You can say, yes, accepting is the same as receiving when you're dealing with something that's alive. (laughs) And the sinner is not partly dead or mostly dead or half dead. He or she is completely dead. And so accepting never equals receiving when you're dealing with something that is dead. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and his sins. You'll never find a scripture that will conflict that with that in the entire scripture. Now look at this in Romans 8. We can take example after example on this receiving. But I just want to give you this one example and I'm going to close out. I'm doing like the Marines tonight. I'm going in and I'm fighting hard and heavy and when I get the job done, I'm getting out. (laughs) Romans 8 and verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now listen to what he says about these sons of God, these children of God. He says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received... You hear the terminology? Ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. A dead sinner cannot accept. That's why the translators use this word. Because the translators understood that they were trying to get the point across that it's not of works, it's not of acceptance, it's not of you volitionally doing something. It's Christ's work. It's God's work. It's the Spirit's work. And therefore, you receive the Spirit into your heart. John, the third chapter, where he says that the Spirit is like the wind and it blows where it chooses, where it listeth, and you hear the sound thereof, you cannot tell from whence it comes or from where it goes, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So is everyone that receives the Spirit of God. And notice what that Spirit is. This is a dead object, a dead sinner, even you who He has quickened, who was, de- who was dead and trespassing in sin, you have received the Spirit of adoption. Are you telling me that I'm adopted? That this, these who received the Spirit were adopted? Well, who are these people? I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> Actually, I asked it, but I'm glad that I asked it. (laughs) Ephesians 1, back to Ephesians 1, he says, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He didn't leave anything out. How did he bless us? According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption. Do you hear that? 
unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace. So you ask yourself this question. Is the terminology important? God says in his scripture that in order to give him the most glory, you must understand that a dead, inanimate object like a sinner receives the Spirit of God, the Spirit of adoption, to the praise of the glory of His grace, and not accept it. You see that? Because if you accept it, it has something to do with maybe you being partly alive or having an option, and God gets less glory. You see? So when it comes down to the cutting room floor, as they say, the question is, which way gives God the most glory? Which term gives God the most glory? Clearly, it is the term that is to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Is that not beautiful? Is it not beautiful how God has taken His Scripture and breathed it into men to write and He has sewn up His glory in that Scripture so perfectly that we can look at it two words, receive and accept. And by looking at those two words, we can distinguish from the Scripture, not from Brother Tim's opinion or somebody's thoughts or some theologian, but from the simple reading of the Scripture, we can discern and understand what gives God the most glory. And truly, the most glory is given to God through His children receiving the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You see how he locks that up in adoption? He says, you receive the spirit of adoption, and when you receive that spirit of adoption, you cry out, Daddy, Daddy, Abba, Father, Father, Father. And that heart is written that you have a heavenly Father. Cornelius' heart had it written in him. Lydia's heart, the Ethiopian eunuch, all of the children of God from all of eternity, it's not eternity, but since creation, have had that written in their hearts. I have received something. I don't know how it got there. The preacher comes along and tells you, this is how it got there. God put it in you. <laughs> you didn't accept it. You didn't ask for it. Uh, you weren't even looking for it. He says, I have found of them that sought me not. How does somebody who is not seeking somebody find somebody? The person goes and gets them. That's how they're found. We weren't even seeking God, see? And he went and found his own, the sheep that were going astray, and they received his spirit. And whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So the next time you get in a conversation, or the next time the difference between accepting and receiving comes up, remember this. If you're talking about somebody who is alive, something that is alive, then accepting is the same thing as receiving. can be the same thing. But if you're talking about something that's dead, Something dead can never accept. It can only receive. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins.